Well, we've been saying for several weeks that today, January 6, 2019, is an important date in the life of our church. Now, typically, I reserve this the first Sunday of the calendar year to give you an annual State of the Church address. But this morning, I've invited uh, some other men to join me on the platform to talk about the vision plan. The vision plan was the fruit of the prayerful labor of the vision team. The vision team consisted of a cross-section of about 50 First Baptist Church of Keller members that met quarterly over more than a year to pray over and discuss the values, the assets, and the challenges facing our church family as we move towards the future. For a quarter century or more, one of the challenges we faced was financial debt. But as debt freedom moved from a distant dream to imminent reality, the vision team was tasked with answering two fundamental questions as it related to becoming debt free. The first question was, so what? How is that going to change anything? And then, now what? What are our plans for the future? So early in our conversations, it became clear that what we really were discussing was the biblical concept of stewardship. The idea that God owns everything and we own nothing. That we are just managers of property that belongs to Him. And we know in just a few decades, all of us will be off the scene and others will take our place. And we want to be faithful to do as the Lord calls us to do during our time here. And so hopefully you remember that last year our church overwhelmingly adopted six commitments that were proposed by the vision team. Let me remind you of those. Hopefully you have your bookmark that you received with those six commitments that you pray through that regularly. If you didn't get one of those, or if you've lost or given yours away, uh, those are available. There's plenty of those outside. Take one for yourself, one for a neighbor or a friend. So the first commitment, and this really is overarching over everything else is the commitment to soli deo gloria, which means for the glory of God alone. That is, we don't intend to do anything that is not aimed at giving God the glory. And secondly, we are reminded of our commitment to faithful stewardship. What I just said, that God owns everything, we own nothing. We just want to be good managers of what belongs to Him. And one of the ways we do that is to commit ourselves as believers to spiritual development. That is corporate sanctification, to spur one another on to good works through corporate worship and through small group Bible study. And then beyond that, we want to commit ourselves to reaching this community with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only this community, but in this state, this nation and beyond through a commitment to church planting and revitalization. And then undergirding all of those commitments is our commitment to excellence in everything we attempt for God's glory. God is worthy of our best efforts. Would you agree? And so we want to do all we do as unto God and not unto men. So our church family has been blessed by God with so many advantages. We are blessed with spiritual, financial, and human resources, too many to enumerate. We live in a large and a growing and increasingly diverse community, and we have access to transportation and to theological training. We take literally the scriptures that teach that to whom much is given, much will be required. So we want to be good and faithful servants and trustworthy stewards of the Lord's blessings. So the vision plan is really that. It is a stewardship plan focused on three primary areas. Number one is personnel. The Bible says that He gives gifted pastors and teachers to the church to lead us and uh, we want to focus today a little bit on our personnel plan moving forward. And then secondly, there are the ministries of the church. The Lord leaves us here for a purpose. That includes evangelism. It includes 
training. It includes mercy ministries. And so you'll hear a little bit about some proposals we make in the area of ministry today. And then finally, uh, we have been gifted here by the Lord a wonderful facility, haven't we? And so we want to be good managers of all the property and all the buildings the Lord has entrusted us with and use them optimally. We want to use them for His glory every day of the week. So you'll hear some reports about our master plan. So you'll hear recommendations and reports from our staff and committee chairman related to each of these three areas. So first, Dr. Gary Floyd is the chairman of your personnel committee. I've asked him to come and give an update on our staffing needs and plan moving forward. Dr. Floyd. I am Gary Floyd. I'm the chairman of your personnel committee. Uh, our members include Frank Geisinger, Karen Goddard, Cecil Hill, Teresa Morris, Tom Pessing, Valerie Rowe, Nicole Simpson, Lou Cernsick, and Julie Woodell. Now a couple of those are rolling off and we'll welcome a couple of new people toward the end of this month at our first meeting this year. However, our committee is responsible for overseeing the hiring of all our church employees, for updating and administering our HR policies, and for working with staff to make sure we have the leaders in place to carry out God's vision and our vision for our church. Um, counting the kids program, and the music program, the music academy, and childcare, we have over 100 employees. Now by the nature of the jobs, most of those are part-time, but we have 26 full-time, soon to be 28 full-time employees. Recently, we've had three opening, open positions. One of those positions will stay open for the time being. It's a part-time children's ministry associate. Uh, they're deciding on which direction to go there. I'm excited to announce that we just filled our director of finance position by hi hiring uh, Terry Dixon. She's a CPA, and she'll join us February 1st. Now, as you know, Shirlene Brashears held that position, and she left in July, which left us in a bind. We took on uh, a part-time, another part-time accountant, leaving two part-time accountants, and they've held our church finances or kept them in order, along with Shirlene's long-distance help by computer and by phone and a couple of visits. So we really appreciate the fact that she's been willing from Atlanta to help us out. With uh, Miss Dixon joining us, uh, we'll have, she'll join the two part-time accountants and we'll have the redundancy and the coverage that we've never had, overlapping duties and uh, any departures in the future should not impact us nearly as, as greatly. And then the third open position is our associate pastor of administration. As you recall, the vision committee uh, uh, goals implied that we would have new projects, and those would be new building projects. They'd be um, opportunities for new church plants. So the personnel committee has been visiting and praying with the pastor a number of times, and together with the input of our deacon body and with the input of our finance committee and a couple of other committees, we came to the conclusion that the church's needs would best be met by changing Dr. Wright's uh, associate pastor position into an associate pastor of administration. The person that will serve in this capacity will serve as our point person for all the new projects and for any church planting. Uh, they'll also serve to oversee our church HR and finance departments as well as support our pastor and the other associate pastors. 
This position is going to allow our pastor to tend to God's flock right here and to do what he does best, and that's visit and study and teach and preach. Uh, now, you all, our church, has already elected the search committee. We've met two times. We're in the process of formulating a job description so we can solicit uh, qualified candidates for this position. It's planned that once the committee finds the person God has prepared already for this position, that uh, B.J. Cranford will then return to her original position as our assistant uh, business administrator. Pastor. Well, thank you, Dr. Floyd. As I've said many times from this pulpit, we have a wonderful staff. I get the privilege of working every day on the third floor with some of the most uh, gifted and um, committed people that I know. And so I'm so pleased because I know that in the past when we've had vacant positions, we have prayed and the Lord has sent us wonderful people to fill those positions. And we're praying now that he'd do that again with this brand new position of associate pastor of administration. Well, two of the purposes of the New Testament church are to facilitate fellowship and accountability among the saints and to teach and train believers in the doctrines of our faith. The ministry of corporate worship and small group Bible study are two ways that we seek to fulfill those purposes here. And Jack Gatewood is our associate pastor of discipleship and Tony Richmond, our associate pastor to families. And they have a report and some announcements that they would like to make as it relates to those two important ministries. During the 1990s, we were blessed with a long period of steady growth, uh, such that by the year 2000, we had grown out of any more space to grow in our current facility. The decision was made after much prayer and planning about to move to two Sunday schools and to three worship services, and that would offer us the most efficient way to grow. We then made that transition on August the 5th of 2001. We went from 17 to 26 adult departments in one Sunday. The Lord graciously blessed us and we continued to grow. But since that time, we have added 75,000 square feet of educational space in two large building projects. And this past Easter season, we paid off the final one of those. But over that time, there have been some problems that have developed and Tony's gonna to come and share with you some of the trends that we have seen. So as a result of the current schedule that we've been operating off of, the staff had, has noticed some trends that we uh, view to be somewhat problematic. Some of these may have been experienced in some of your families, but they can be outlined in four major points. Number one, uh, because of this current schedule, we begin to see an uneven distribution between uh, corporate worship services and Sunday school classes. So we'd have some worship services maybe like this one today, that are very large and crowded, and others that have more than enough space. Likewise, we would see that in the Sunday school classrooms and the space we have to accommodate those classes as well. Number two, we begin to see an uneven distribution um, among families where parents and children were having to decide because of Sunday school whether they would worship together, whether they would go to Sunday school at the same hour, or in some cases families were split apart where parents were worshiping at a different corporate worship service uh, from their children. Number three, we observed a hindrance to a community building. As families would have children that would 
grow up like children do. They would get to a certain age that would necessitate that child switching Sunday school hours, which would mean the parents would also have to switch Sunday school hours. And you can imagine a close-knit community of believers meeting weekly and beginning to lose members of that community, not necessarily because they wanted to, but because there was really no other option. And number four, we had uh, the issue of needing to explain to visitors the distinctions that existed between each worship service and between each Sunday school hour, trying to explain how that would work for each family and the choices that they needed to make were somewhat problematic. So as a result of those things, Jack's now gonna outline um, a structure uh, for Sunday mornings. Beginning on August 18th will be our Unification Sunday. It's our Promotion and Renewal Sunday. Beginning on the 18th of August, we will move to one worship service at 8.30, Sunday school for everyone at 9.45, and a second worship service at 11 o'clock. Uh, because we now have 34 adult departments and are both Sunday school hours, we have fewer rooms than that to use, and so we in the adult area are going to have to make some real adjustments. It is right for the adults to lead out in this area and to set the example for the younger members, and so uh, because we're the most flexible of all the groups. And so many of you are going to need to consider, all of you are going to need to consider which hour of worship you want to be a part of. And so Tony's going to come and share some of the alternative, uh, alternatives we're looking at. Yeah, so with this coming change, there are certainly some implications that we'll um, have to consider um, as a result of this schedule change. Number one is space for Sunday school. So we've been able to negotiate with the Keller School District the temporary usage of Keller Middle School to provide additional Sunday school space if we can't fit all of our people and classes into our current facility. Now we would certainly take into consideration our more mature church members who have a need to be closer to the, the worship center and not walking back and forth. We would also take into account families that have young children, babies, and preschoolers in the preschool ministry who would have a need to have quicker access to their children as needed. The rest of us are fair game. Um, and if that happens, Jack will be talking with your departments about what that looks like and what that means, as we say, if it's needed. Another implication we'll have is a, a possible need to have an overflow solution for worship services. So depending on the distribution between that first worship service and the second worship service after Sunday school, that may necessitate the usage of the gym as a live overflow room. And our staff has been working on plans for that to be executed in the event that that's needed. But in the month of March, our members will be given a survey where we are going to ask you which worship service 
your family will plan to attend. So we're asking you now to begin thinking about, praying about, and considering what would be the best fit and what may accommodate your family the best as it relates to those worship services. And as you mark on that survey what your family plans will be, that will help us as a staff plan um, for the future um, in executing this schedule change. I've been in the process these last seven weeks in talking with adult department directors and teachers about possible scenarios and solutions to the crowding that we're going to face. We're not blind to the fact that there will uh, be problems and that all changes bring issues, but they also create special opportunities. We have done uh, two Sunday schools and three worship services now for 17 and a half years, and we've become very accustomed to it. However, this change will address and solve some very real problems, as well as create some new synergy in our adult Sunday school departments. Uh, we'll begin to see some members that we haven't seen in years, and they've been here all along, but you just have not crossed paths. All of our classes will meet at the same time. All the fourth graders will be together. So there's going to be a great plus, a great advantage to being together. But again, we'll be looking for rooms to do that in. Uh, there'll be an adjustment for everyone who comes, but for everyone who comes after Unification Sunday, that will be the new norm, and they will see it that way. We're here to get to make the sacrifice so that it might be better for them in the future. There are some plans to address the obvious crowd that we'll be facing, so at this time I want to turn it back over to Brother Keith. Thank you, Jack. Now this certainly is a recommendation that has been vetted thoroughly and has really been in the works for, as Jack said, over 17 years. From the very beginning, we knew that going to three services and two Sunday school had its problems, but at the time, it was absolutely necessary. As he said, since that time, we have built two large education buildings that have alleviated some of the crowding, but have created other problems, as, as he talked about today, which namely are the division of families. And that's the last thing that we want to do is to divide families. So the way this decision was made, it really began uh, over the years through discussion in our pastoral prayer time and staff meetings. And it got to the point last year where I came in and said, I'll give $10,000 to whoever can come up with a plan to solve this problem. <laughs> I hope they know I was joking <laughs> because uh, they, as a staff, have worked very diligently, and this is the proposal that they've brought forward, and Jack and Tony have taken the lead on the logistical side of that, and I'm so grateful for that, but all of our staff has been involved. Now, uh, from there, we began to pray about it. We actually took a retreat up at Camp Copus. Uh, then we came back and made this recommendation to the deacon body. Uh, they gave us their input and committed to praying about it as well. And then in November, Jack and I met with our Sunday school leaders, our directors, and teachers in our adult departments. And then uh, after their input, we brought forward today the new schedule that you've heard. And so uh, be praying about that and especially uh, which hour your family plans to worship in. It will certainly help with our planning to know that uh, in, in the near future. So finally this morning, we have an important report as it relates to the facilities. Jim Flick has chaired our Long Range Planning Committee for many years. And we owe Mr. Flick and his committee a deep debt of gratitude for their hard work and leadership leading up to today. So Mr. Flick, come give your report. Thank you, Pastor. One of my friends from eight o'clock said, Ma, you look very extinguished up there. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that right where it is. All right, anyway, good morning. It's an honor to be here. 
I'm Jim Flick, Chairman of your Long Range Planning Committee. Your committee members are Gary Floyd, Karen Floyd, David McReynolds, Richard Harris, Bob Carlton, Guy Simpson, Rob Rubidoux, Ricky Baker, and Perry Leonard. Almost 20 years ago, your Long Range Planning Committee was created to, with God's help, provide continuity and direction for the future of FBC Keller. We enjoy here a unique worship style which encourages continual spiritual maturation through in-depth worship and Bible study, worship based solely on what Scripture requires. May it always be so. With that history and mandate, your long-range committee began to address what we felt were the current and future needs of the church. Initially, we identified the need for additional land for future growth and a need for additional Sunday school space. Our church at that time, pretty much landlocked. Not much room to grow, and on one occasion we even entertained the idea of moving the entire facility to another location so that growth could occur. But we abandoned that idea as a result of the sense that FBC Keller was indeed a community church and should remain so. We then decided to consider growth to the south, this direction, to include frontage on Keller Parkway. I remember vividly some church members suggesting that we would never get access to 1709 because there were too many houses in the way. Many of us prayed often as we drove around these homes that God would make them available to us. And miracle of miracles, that did indeed happen one by one. These properties were offered for sale and we were able to purchase them for cash for one reason, because of your faithfulness in giving. And for that we give our Lord all the glory. Over the intervening years we've purchased over 20 parcels of land surrounding the church and anticipate that a few additional parcels will be needed. We also own approximately 3.1 acres of land that fronts Keller Parkway to our southeast. For those of you who are directionally impaired, I'm facing east. <laughs> that makes this south, all right? There's a block on the corner down here right across from the Verizon building. We own that as well. That property is for sale currently for approximately $1.5 million. And it's our hope that this sale can be completed in the not too distant future. And these proceeds will assist us in the implementation of our phase program, which you're gonna see in just a couple minutes. We now own much of the land in the blocks north, south, and west behind me of the church, though we initially felt that the Lord was leading us to expand to the south. That was not going to be sufficient for what we needed. God's wisdom far surpassed our own and ultimately led us to look north and west. I'm confident that there will be additional property purchases in the future but certainly not to the extent of our past acquisitions. Increased emphasis on establishing new churches and assisting struggling new churches improve and expand their ministries will require a great deal of prayer and diligence on our part in balancing expenditures for both physical plant needs as well as ministry and outreach programs. In 2010, we completed construction of our most recent building, the three-story Sunday School and Administration Building, this building right behind us, 
as well as our lovely sanctuary foyer that we enjoy so much each week. Upon completion of this project, our next focus was to strive to eliminate our debt load, <clears throat> which included the most recent building project, as well as some remaining indebtedness from prior building projects. Elimination of the debt would free us to expand ministries and outreach opportunities critical for a growing church. As you are aware, we were able to accomplish this goal this past spring and remain debt-free to this day. Do I hear a praise the Lord? Amen. And now for our master plan. To update this plan last year, in anticipation of today, the church created what we call the vision team. Pastors share a little bit about that. A group of over 50 church members whose job was to identify either areas of ministry, facilities, or issues that they felt needed to be addressed. After four meetings over the period of a year in hearty discussions, the vision committee agreed on and made recommendations for most all of what you see included in this master plan. As a result, having had prior positive experience with Merriman, Holt, and Powell Architects in Houston, we asked them to assist us in the preparation of this updated, phased master plan that you'll see shortly. The committee, along with church staff, then attempted to break this proposed master plan down into phases based upon immediacy of need, cost, and ministry impact. A phased approach to this plan very simply means that until you, church, agree and prayerfully and financially support these phases, groundbreaking will not occur. You reflect this support in your support of our vision fund, very simply. The church has taken the position that before any major construction project begins, we have half of the project cost available in cash. At such time that this cash on hand requirement is met, then design and construction can begin. I personally am in favor of this approach and I pray that you all are as well. It serves to ensure that we function as your representatives and that we are accurately reflecting our Lord's will as well as your will and that we are good stewards as a church of our Lord's church and his money. Though presently debt-free, future plans will most likely require that we do incur some additional debt if you approve our proposals. Limiting our debt load is critical if we are to continue to develop our ministries. SBC guidelines suggest that a church's debt load should not exceed three times its budget. Our current budget, approximately $5.2 million. We've taken this position that our debt load should not exceed two times. A wise position, in my opinion. With these criteria in mind, your committee commends to you the following master plan for First Baptist Church Keller for the foreseeable future. And there you see it. These are phase plans. One, two, three, and four in that order. Pretty sharp, huh? All right. Phase one, the first phase that we're recommending is that we do some renovation work on our existing facilities, which includes the following. Improve building and parking lot lighting, north and south. 
Those of you who have been here Wednesday nights know how dark it can get. So we're going to improve that. Secondly, new pews and carpet. Do I hear an amen to that one? <laughs> All right. 86. These pews have been here since 86. So it's time to repair. Many of you know that uh, they're a little soft and squishy. Anyway, new pews and carpet. If we, re <clears throat> if we replace the pews because of the way they come up and installation of the new ones, it would necessitate that we'd have to replace the carpet also. New worship center lights, baptistry carpet, handicap access to the north restroom doors, student area updates, including sound, some projectors, some paint, and some chairs. IT updates, cabling switches, electronic stuff. Eight new chair loft and orchestra chairs. Nine updates in the preschool and children's area. And number 10, and I want you to pay attention to this one, construction of South Entrance Drive through an access update. That's down here. Those of you who come in through the north parking lot <clears throat> know the little port cachere and the little drive-through is pretty cool. In order to have the same type of access down here, we plan to do that. It will also improve safety and, and security for the kiddos as they come in for church. All right, this work can be completed, completed at a cost of approximately $1.3 million. We currently have the cash to complete these projects this year. Upon completion of these projects during 2019, we will then look to phase two, which, with your support, should be in two to three years from now. Let's go to phase two. Years ago, Nancy and I, that's my wife, Nancy and I completed Henry Blackaby's Experience in God study. One of Blackaby's comments had a profound effect on me personally. Blackaby stated, see where God is working and join him in his work. If Christians around the world were to suddenly renounce their personal agendas, their life goals and their aspirations, and begin responding in radical obedience to everything God showed them, the world would be turned upside down. With this thought in mind, if one looks at the ministries of our church, it becomes apparent that worship arts, related music programs for both choir and orchestra, for adults and children, as well as the Fine Arts Academy have had a significant impact on the growth and maturation of our church. As a result, our committee felt it was necessary to provide additional space for both music rehearsal as well as additional Sunday school space to meet classroom space requirements necessary to accommodate the announced changes in our Sunday school schedule. As such, we're recommending that as a part of the second phase that we construct a building that will address these needs and we're proposing that the structure be located as shown on the screen. Now Jack has given me a little pointer, but since I'm electronically handicapped, I'm just gonna point to it and show you what we're talking about. <laughs> and that's the red rectangle that you see up there. A new structure 
with additional parking. The exact design of this building has not been developed yet. Design will occur when we anticipate funds will be available. By God's grace, this will happen within the next couple of years. And then allowing a year for design and permitting and nine months for construction, we anticipate that costs in today's dollars will approach six to seven million dollars, and we will certainly keep you apprised of more specific details as they develop. You probably noticed in one of the first overheads, Billy, can we go back to that phase? There it is right there. You notice phases three and four. We've got two additional phases which we've not discussed. Phase three represents a new sanctuary and worship space seating perhaps 12 or 1300. And phase four, a new fellowship hall and kitchen area to support that new sanctuary. I have not detailed these projects here since they remain several years in the future. And finally, as you are aware, these future projects beyond phase one will not occur without your prayerful support and your financial support as well. As such, I encourage you to continue to pray for our church and its mission and to support our vision fund. We do not anticipate at this time having a capital campaign which would be led by an outside organization. Relying as we have historically on your faithful giving as we continue to see where God is working in our dear church. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Mr. Flick. Now, he mentioned the Vision Fund. As you recall, the Vision Fund was created to replace all other capital campaigns. And I'm happy to report that since March the 1st of uh, last year, when we announced we were debt free, uh, we have accrued over $600,000 to that fund. That's why, as he said, we're able to move forward with phase one immediately. Now, I know that uh, you've heard a lot of information this morning, some that uh, you had heard about, some you had not. It's a lot to absorb. So as always, we wanna take our time to answer your questions. We have found a productive way to communicate these sorts of changes is with a town hall style meeting. Uh, so I'm announcing now a town hall meeting on Sunday, February 24th at 5.30 right here in this room that will give you much more detail on these various phases and for the opportunities that you'll have to support them. Uh, at that time, on the 24th of February, we will announce the date for the church to vote on phase one. And that is going to be our MO throughout the vision plan implementation. We will do as we've done today, bring a report with recommendations. We'll have opportunities for you to ask your questions and give your input. And then we will vote on each phase separately as they are brought forward. One of the things that has blessed me the most throughout uh, this two-year vision plan process has been your commitment to sincerely seeking God's will through prayer. Every one of our vision plan meetings turned into a prayer meeting and there was prayer throughout. Um, early on in the process, I recruited 25 men from our church to be a part of the pastor's prayer team. And every Monday morning for the last year, we have been meeting to pray through every individual decision leading up until today. And I am very much in, in gratitude to those 25 men. It's our plans to expand those prayer teams to a total number of eight beginning in the fall. Eight 
distinct prayer teams that we can have coverage of prayer all the time, every day of the week. Now, I'm excited also to announce today in relationship to our vision plan and our, and our desire to reach the community and to increase the fellowship here is that we plan to return in the fall to a modified Sunday evening schedule. And that will be one Sunday night a year. We'll have corporate worship here. We have many gifted men in our church who are preachers. And I'm looking forward to sitting under their teaching uh, beginning in the fall. And then once a quarter on the fifth Sunday evening, we will hear our missions reports. We have mission teams that go all over the world. Almost every month we have uh, mission teams out. And we have missed the opportunity to hear what the Lord's doing. And so once a quarter we're going to hear those missions reports. And then afterwards... I'm very excited to say we're going to have church-wide fellowships, uh, food and fellowship. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to that new schedule as well. Well, I want to add my thanks to you for your generosity. As Mr. Flick said, without your faithful giving, uh, we would not be to this point of being debt-free and ready to move forward as the Lord leads us. And the general budget giving is no exception. We finished our year last week, calendar year, and once again, you broke all previous records for your generosity. And I'm so thankful to report that last year uh, was the greatest year of giving in the over 130 year history of First Baptist Church of Keller. But there's more to do. And so we need the Lord, don't we? We can do nothing without Him. And so that means that we need to be more prayerful than ever. And so there are four specific ways that I'm calling the church family to pray today. First is for wisdom. There are many, many decisions and logistical things that have to happen for all of this to work. And we are simple servants. But the Lord has told us in James 1.5, if anyone needs wisdom, let him ask of God to give all men freely. And so I'm calling on you to pray for wisdom and pray for unity. If there's one thing that has marked our church for the last 20 years or so, it's been a sense of unity of purpose. Everywhere I go in the state of Texas, people say, where do you go to church? I'll say, First Baptist Keller. And they'll say, oh, that's that church that believes the Bible and loves one another. And I pray that would always be the case in our church. So anytime there are major changes, it's the opportunity for misunderstanding and maybe even disagreement. Let's pray that that would not be the case here. That throughout this process, not only would our unity continue, but that it even be stronger than it was before. And then there's the practical matter of financial provision. The way that the Lord almost always provides for the needs of His people is by blessing them. And so I don't have any problem. I'm praying that the Lord would bless all of you financially so that you in turn would be able to give generously to the needs and the work of His church. And then let's not forget why we're here. We get to be a part of the Great Commission. First of all, in our own Jerusalem right here in Keller. So let's pray that the Lord would give us a greater zeal to reach the lost in this community. That we would throw wide open the doors, not only to welcome people in here, but that we would go out to where they are and tell them the good news of salvation. And so I'm gonna ask these four men with me here to each take one of these areas of prayer. And as they pray aloud, you bow your head please and pray to the Lord in your own heart. First of all, Dr. Floyd will pray for wisdom, Mr. Flick for unity, Jack for God's financial provision and Tony for zeal for the community. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
in Jeremiah 9, 23, it tells us that a wise man does not boast in his own wisdom, his own might, or his own riches, but boasts only in knowing and understanding the Lord. Lord, we humble ourselves before you, our creator, our savior, our sustainer. We've bathed these plans with the prayers of many, but we know they're worthless without your approval and your involvement. We ask your continued wisdom and guidance as we proceed, and we ask for your strength to never shy away from altering our plans to join you where we see you at work. Finally, Lord, we'd ask your blessing and your provision for these plans, if it be within your will, that they might bring only honor and glory to your name. Lord, we love you. For it's in your precious holy name we pray. Amen. Father God, as we hear the hymn, Be Thou My Vision. And Father, indeed, you would be our vision every moment of every day that we would seek your face. Humble in spirit, Father, broken because of our own sinful behaviors, and yet desiring a relationship with you. Oh Lord, I pray that would be the portion, our portion each day that of you. And Father, if we do indeed seek your face every day, then we could not help but be unified in direction out of love for you, out of worship for you, Father, and out of your continued blessing day after day. And I pray as a church that we would be so unified that no one could prevail to interfere with that spirit. Father, I ask your blessing upon each family here as pastor is shared, and I pray that you would strengthen and encourage each one, and that indeed as we do seek a vision of you, that you would guide and direct every step of our way, for I ask it in Christ's name. Father, we thank you not only that you hear us, but that you have anticipated our requests and you know our needs. Father, we do ask that you provide financially for us and we understand as Brother Keith has shared that you most typically do that through, through us, through the work we've been given to do, Father. So I pray, Father, that you'd guard our hearts, help us to guard our hearts against the temptation to think that what we have is ours and what we've been given is ours to keep and decide about. Father, to remember your word is just consistent all the way through that all that we have, including our talents and our abilities and our time, Father, all that we have belongs to you and we're asked to steward and manage it well. So Father, give us hearts that would be open before you, be open to what you would direct us to do. Give us a spirit of generosity that the work you've put in our heart might be done, that you might receive the glory, that we might be your people in this place as you've called us to be. Father, may we be less self-focused and more you-focused. 
And we ask that your blessing financially would continue that we might be a blessing to those around about us by our generosity. And we continue to trust you and lay this before you in Christ's name. And Lord God, we thank you for the gospel message. Lord, the good news that the holy, perfect creator God of the universe would look down on wretched and rebellious sinners like us and see our spiritual depravity and deadness. And God, you had mercy on us and you gave us Jesus to come and live a perfectly holy life so that he could lay down his life as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then God, to each one of us personally, you gave us the faith to believe, to turn from our sinfulness and to trust in Christ alone for our salvation. God, that is the good news. God, we are your people because of that message. And that is the message that we seek to proclaim to this community. Lord, we would pray that 2019 would be the year that there would be a harvest of souls in Keller, Texas like there's never been before. Lord, for those of us who are praying for specific people that you've placed in our lives that are lost, that this year would be the year that they see their need for a Savior and fall on their knees in repentance and faith. Lord, that this would be the year that all of the mission trips that we take and all the partners that we have and all the organizations that we work with that proclaim the gospel message that they would see the fruit of that proclamation and that you would save souls. Lord, I pray that every home that's represented in our um, church this morning would be a beacon of truth and of love and of care and of the gospel in our neighborhoods and on our streets that our neighbors would not only see the love of Christ but they would hear the love of Christ from us as we have interactions and that we would even see some of those be saved Lord this is our prayer not because we want the name of First Baptist Keller to be greater But God, we want your name to be greater. We want you to receive the honor and glory that you are due. God, would you do this work among us for your glory? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, men, for uh, your leadership this morning and your reports. Thank you for listening so well. And I hope you'll go home and think about these things you've heard today. Pray about them. Uh, Ask your questions. You can certainly uh, call me, come by to see me personally, any of our um, representatives from our various committees. But uh, a date that is very important, February 24th, 5.30, we'll have our town hall meeting. And uh, I hope you'll bring your questions for that. And I think it'll be very informative for all of you. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you until we 
meet again. Many of you now are going to Sunday school. Let's uh, close with a benediction. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for what we've heard this morning. I thank you for the hundreds of people who've been involved either on the prayer team or through the vision team or on various committees serving. Thank you for all the people here who have given faithfully so that uh, we could come to this point today. We pray, Father, that you would indeed bless these, your people, not so that they can grow um, rich and wealthy and forget about you, but Father, so that they can bless you through their generous giving. And Lord, that's our ambition in all of this is to bless you and glorify your name. And we pray, Father, that you would indeed be pleased with all that is said and done in Jesus' name. Amen.